Amen. We're in Deuteronomy chapter 6, NIV, verses 20 through 24. Here we go. In the future, when your son asks you, what is the meaning of the stipulations, decrees, and laws the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but... The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Before our eyes, the Lord sent signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised on oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and to fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as is the case today. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, Vince. Appreciate that. Morning, everybody. Morning. Good to be with you. Um, I don't know if you've been around San Diego this week, but it's been a little bit hot. Anyone, anyone going to testify? Yeah. At least it's San Diego hot. I know there's, we got some guests from Sacramento today. It may not be as hot as there, but it's been hot for us, and uh, my wife and I just moved uh, a little bit east in the Lemon Grove area, and um, just so happens that in uh, yeah, woo. it just so happens that uh, in the last few weeks is the time that um, my air conditioner in my in my 14-year-old Honda Element went out. Um, but it didn't quite go out. I think it's just out of you know Freon, and then I recharged it and it leaked out. Whatever. But I've been riding around this week, sweating my face off. Um, <laughs> Just about everywhere I go, and, um, and it had me remembering a time when I was 18 or 19, and it was a time when, you know, I grew up in Arkansas, I was in Arkansas, and I would ride around in my car without the air, con- air conditioning on, but the thing was, back then, I had a perfectly fine working air conditioning, and so you, you have to ask, why, Kenny? Why would you do that? Because it's like over 100 degrees in the summer in Arkansas, and humid, and, and the mosquito is the state bird, and like, why... <laughs> Why would you? And it had to do with this. Um, it had to do with my grandfather, which um, in Arkansas, a lot of people call your grandfather Papa. So my Papa. And he would tell stories. I loved going over to my grandparents' house and my, you know, my mama and my Papa both. And I'd sit at the dinner table and they'd tell me stories about growing up, you know, dirt poor in the Great Depression, born in 1915 in rural Arkansas. He could remember the first time he saw a car coming down the road, um, and he grew up in a house that didn't have, like, a toilet in it and, um, you know, didn't have electricity or phones. And I just was just so amazed because here are two generations different, or two, two generations down the line, my life was so different. And I had it so easy compared to him. I mean, I had the internet. I mean, it was dial-up, but... <laughs> You know, right? But it was the internet, right? And and me in my in my teenage years, I I was you know privileged to have a car, you know, and he could remember the first time he saw one, and here I was driving one, and I just remember thinking, wow, like wanting to connect with where I had come from and my roots, and one of the small, weird ways that I did that was, you know what? I don't want to get too spoiled to air conditioning. So I want to drive around in the car when it's 100 degrees and not have the air conditioning on. 
um, which sounds kind of silly. But the reason I'm sharing that today is because it has to do with a, a pretty common principle that maybe you've heard and maybe you would agree with. But if you don't remember where you've come from, you're not going to appreciate where you're going. You want to know that? And the scripture that Vince read from Deuteronomy 6 um, really shares that principle in a little bit different way. And it really shows us this truth that if you're going to go where God is calling you to go, you've got to remember what he's brought you out of, what he's brought you from. Let me ask here at the beginning, have you ever just stopped? Have you ever just stopped and taken a look, taken inventory over your life? And maybe it's um, in a conversation with a friend, or maybe it's you're writing in your journal, or um, maybe it's you're just thinking back over the trials that you've been through or, or uh, the challenges that you face. And have you ever just stopped and s- stepped back and just looked at what God has brought you through? And what does that do to your heart when you do that? It, it gives you gratitude. It gives you, it gives you a gratitude when you look at the past and you think, wow, God, what did you bring me through? I, could, I remember when I thought there was not a way out, and yet, God, you brought me through, and you were faithful. And it also puts humility in your heart because, like, God, I, it wasn't me. It wasn't me who brought me through that. It was you. How did that happen? And it, and it gives you, anyone with me? Right. And it gives you more faith when you think about the future, right? Whatever you're facing right now, if I think about where God brought me from, it increases my faith for the future. And so in Deuteronomy, the, the passage that we read from today, it's a really, really interesting book and place in Scripture because um, God has brought the Israelites, the nation of Israel, out of slavery in Egypt. And they were, they were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. And Uh, You know, we went through a series a couple months ago called Redemption, and we talked about how Jesus frees you, how Jesus frees us from the idols we worship and the wounds we carry. And we talked about um, how the Exodus story is really God's story of bringing, bringing his children out of slavery in Egypt and bringing the people of God out of slavery to sin. But then in Deuteronomy, they've come out of Egypt, and they've walked through the wilderness, and they've learned all these lessons, and now... In Deuteronomy, they're about to go into the land that God promised them. And so as you read through Deuteronomy, it's Moses is speaking to the people, and God is reminding the people of, this is how I want you to live when you go into the land that I promised you. I've set you free. I've brought you out. I've called you to a new land, but also to a new life. And in this passage that Vince read, Verses 20 through 24, it gives this situation. It speaks to this. When your son asks you, what's all this, what are all these laws about? These commands that God wants us to live in a certain way, what is that about? What's the meaning of this, it says? And I just think it just starts in such an interesting place because when it says, when you need to explain to someone else the reason for the way that God has called you to live, start with this. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but God brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. What's interesting to me about this is at the basis of their identity, at the basis of the narrative that God is telling them to remember, he reminds them 
of the painful reality that they were slaves in Egypt. But he also reminds them of the powerful truth that he brought them out. And it was only God that brought them out. And it would be interesting enough if this was just one passage in Deuteronomy, but it's a theme. If you've been, uh, those of you who've been following along in the, in the City Bible reading, um, we've been going through Deuteronomy about a chapter every weekday, and maybe you've noticed that this is a theme that keeps coming up. In chapter, um, in chapter 5, that's where you find the Ten Commandments. And then when it gets to the Sabbath, it says, six days you should work and a seventh day you rest. And then it says this, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, but I brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and so I'm commanding you to observe the Sabbath. And then in chapter 15, it's talking about it's talking to the Israelites, and it's saying, where are you going into the promised land? If you have servants, here's how you need to treat them. You need to bless them in the way that God has blessed you. You need to treat them kindly. You need to bless them abundantly. And then it says this, remember, you were slaves in Egypt, but the Lord brought you out. And then in chapter 24, when it says, when it says here's how you need to treat the foreigners in your land, the, the immigrants who have moved to your land, the, the fatherless, the, the orphans, the people growing up without parents, the widows, people in that culture who were basically destitute and poor because they had lost their way, their status, and their income in society. Here's how you need to treat them with justice and with mercy and with generosity and with kindness. And then he says, remember, you were slaves in Egypt, but I redeemed you and I brought you out. It's this theme. And as I've been reading through the book of Deuteronomy this last month, I've been asking why. why. Why is that phrase? Why remember the past? Why remember the past? How many know that um, it seems like it's our spiritual enemy's territory to remember the past? To bring up, to, to tell us to remember, you know what I'm talking about? That have you ever been there where you feel like Satan is bringing up your past to rub it in your face, right? There's a popular quote, right? When when the devil reminds me of my past, I remind him of his future, right? Huh? If you grew up in church culture, you probably heard that. Um, but here's the thing. When, when Satan reminds you of your past, it's always to tear you down. It's always to say that your past is what defines you and your past is what limits you. But when God reminds you of your past, it's to build you up. It's not to tear you down, it's to build you up. It's to remind you of his love for you and your identity in him. And it's, to, it's to, not to limit your future, but to release you into the future that he has for you. Come on, y'all with me today? Yeah. All right, all right. I might need some convincing. Okay, how about this? How's the complexion, the redness? I don't know. Uh, There's a powerful truth for us today from this scripture, because I know we're not, uh, uh, we may not be Israelites, we may not have just spent 400 years enslaved in Egypt, but there's a powerful truth here for us that if you're going to walk in true freedom that God has called you to walk in, you've got to remember, you've got to make a, a practice of remembering that God brought you out of spiritual slavery. We've got to remember. We can't forget. And so let's, let's break it down today. The first point in remembering that, to remember what God brought you out of, that, that to walk into freedom, I've got to remember he brought me out of spiritual slavery, and, and here's it. Here's the first point. 
Sin is spiritual slavery. Sin is spiritual slavery. And I I realize today that sin is not a popular term in our culture, in our world today. Sin, the notion of saying that someone has sinned has gone further and further out of style because it's not allowing someone to live their truth or it's uh, degrading to your self-esteem or what that's that's kind of how we think of the word sin but the bible tells a different story about sin and the reason it's so important is because the bible tells us that sin is your greatest problem and my greatest problem sin is the greatest problem in the world whether it's on the individual level or it's on the corporate society level Sin is not only an action, just the things you do, but it's also a status of rebellion against God, of me wanting to live my own way and do my own thing and decide what's right for me. But sin, according to the Bible, is what causes that distance that we feel from God, that brokenness and even abandonment sometimes that we feel in our relationship with God, or the turmoil and and the hurt and the pain and the anguish that we feel in our relationships with each other, the Bible says the root of that is sin. That every time you've struggled with guilt or shame or fear, or every time that you've dealt with injustice or oppression or evil, the root of that, the Bible says, is sin. And it has to do with our fallen nature of rebelling against God. And what that does to our souls is it's just like chains that are wrapped around our hearts. Sin is poison for us. And yet, the message of the Bible is that Jesus came to set us free from sin. Galatians 5.1 says this, It's for freedom that Christ has set you free. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be... um, Let me read it. (laughs) Be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Romans 6 says that we were slaves to sin, but now Jesus came to set us free from sin, and now we're slaves of righteousness. We live to do what's right before God. Ephesians 2, when it's speaking to Christians, it says, Remember, you were without hope and without God in the world. You were once far away, but now you've been brought near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The message of the Bible is Jesus came to save us from the slavery of sin. That's why Jesus went to the cross. We got to the cross quick. You guys still with me? Jesus went to the cross to save you from the slavery of sin and to save me. That's why the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, he became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. That what Jesus was doing on the cross was taking on our sin and our rebellion against God and giving us his righteousness, not only to forgive us of our guilt, but to set us free from the bondage of sin in our souls. If you're here today and you say, I'm saved. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you say, I'm saved, then the question is, from what? And here's the answer. From sin. From sin in your life, from, from the effects of sin in your life. And here's the thing. If you miss this, I know this might be basic, but if we miss this, If we miss um, how harmful sin is for our souls and for our society, 
If we miss that, then you're going to do one of two things. You're either going to minimize your own sin or you're going to minimize God's grace without even thinking about it. You're going to minim- you, you'll, you'll either minimize your own sin, you'll, look at, you'll say, well, I know there's sin in my life, but you kind of take it lightly. Like, well, I know God says to do this, and then the Bible says to do this, but everyone else is doing this. And this is what I learned over here. And so I know that I want to get rid of that, but, you know, I don't know. C'est la vie. Or you won't think much of your own sin. You won't think of it as something that is, is going after your soul and trying to pry, pry you apart from your relationship with God. And on the other side, if you don't take sin seriously, you'll minimize God's grace. And, and, and you'll think, well, I'm not that bad of a person. You'll look around and kind of compare it. Well, there's a lot more bad people in the news right, uh, than, uh, than I am. And so I'm doing pretty good. I'm a good person. And am I, is this, you guys with, are you, all right? And I know part of my story, part of my story about 10 years ago or so, I was hearing about God's grace and just really hearing about the cross and how important it is. And there was part of it that wasn't even clicking with me. And, and because I grew up a, a church kid and I didn't have a, a wild and out phase and I didn't go out and get wasted and forget what I did. And, I didn't, you know, and so there was part of me that was saying, well, what is it, you know, I don't have this great testimony you know, that I, that I heard, I mean, it's like I used to pray that I'd have a good testimony, right? <laughs> right? And so what I did was I said, I prayed, God, you got to help me see my need for grace. And you know what? He did. <laughs> he did. He showed me where I was letting pride and self-righteousness and where I was looking down my nose at other people. And he showed me how much I was minimizing God's grace because I thought it was up to me. I wasn't taking seriously my own sin and the slavery it was in my own soul. You guys hearing me? But here's the thing. The cross doesn't let us do either one of those. If you really look at the cross, the cross doesn't let you minimize your sin because it's ugly and it's brutal and it's bloody. And Jesus had to do that for your sin and my sin. But the cross also doesn't let you minimize God's grace because God loved you so much that not even the brutality and the pain and the humiliation would keep him from dying to give you life. The cross shows us that our sin required blood, but God's love was so great that he insisted that it was his own. It was his to set us free from sin. If you're going to walk in true freedom, if you're going to know what God has called you to in this life, you've got to remember that Jesus died to bring you out of spiritual slavery. Free from sin. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean uh, all of a sudden there's an aura around you and ah, you walk into work on Monday morning and people just say, bless you. Bless you, Kenny. Thank you for being here. That's not what it means. But it does mean that you're free from the curse of sin. It means that the grip of sin no longer has a hold on you. It means that the battles that you have with a sin that feels like it's got a grip in your life will not have the last word in your life. Amen. Amen.
So we've got to remember that Jesus died to, to set us free from spiritual slavery. Not only that, verse 21 says this, we were slaves, but the Lord brought us out with a mighty hand. And then verse 23, he brought us out from there to bring us in and give us the land he promised. Why does God in the book of Deuteronomy keep reminding them, remember, remember, remember? Not only to remember how bad it was, but to remember what is shown by the fact that he brought them out. His love and his power. Why does God want you to remember what he brought you out of? So that you will remember his immeasurable love for you and his incredible power to set you free. Satan wants to tear you down with your past. God wants to build you up. How, how is his love shown in that? There's a verse in Deuteronomy 14 too. It says this, For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his what? His treasured possession. God brought you out to bring you in to relationship because he loves you. Did you know? Did you know that God thinks of you as his treasured possession? The apple of his eye, the Bible says. <laughs> his great love for you is shown that even though my soul was sin sick, God brought me out. Why? Not because I was lovable, but because he loved me. Not because I was faithful, but because he was faithful. His love is shown when we remember that he brought us out. But also his power. Throughout Deuteronomy, it says this, I brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. We sing that song, you split the sea so I could walk right through it. When, when Pharaoh and Egypt said, no, I'm not going to let your people go, God sent plagues that showed his power and showed his glory. And here's what they showed, that no one and nothing can stand between you and God when he is pursuing you. That's how powerful he is. That not even when you feel stuck in front of a, the sea and, you don't, and the army's chasing behind you and, and you don't know how you're going to get out and yet God says, well, here, here you go. Let me put in a sidewalk real quick for you. <clears throat> when we remember, you guys hear me today? When you remember what God has brought you from, you can't help but think about the power of God and the love of God that is set on you. Here's what else it does. It makes you realize that you have a part in God's story. That you have a new story because of God. That you have a new identity. Like the New Testament says, once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. And I don't know about you, but when I do that, it, when I do that, when I have times of remembering, it's what happens in my soul is gratitude. What happens in my soul is, God, I can't believe. <laughs> I 
can't believe that you would love me. And yet you've proved it. And God, if you would go to those great lengths to save me and to call me out so many times against my own will, if you would go to great lengths to do that for me, how could I ever believe that your power is not going to be there for me in the future? How could I ever believe that your power is not going to be working for my good right now as I'm walking through this trial? Amen? And when I think about his love, when I think about that the God who made this dirt that we walk on (laughs) and then made us from the dirt says, you're my treasured possession. Me? (laughs) I'm just dust. Dust that you made. And yet God says, you are my treasured possession. When you really dwell on that, you can't help but feel that love and want to share it. Want to share it with other people. Which brings us back to the passage. That remembering where God has brought you out of makes sense of how God is calling you to live now. When other people ask, hey, why do you live that way? Or hey, why do Christians believe this? One of the most powerful things that you can do to understand it and make sense of the way that God is calling you to live is to remember what he brought you out of. Not only has he called the people of Israel in, in this story, in the Old Testament, not only has he called them to a new land, he's called them to a new life and a new way of doing life. And that's what this whole book is about. Hey, when you go into the promised land, remember to live this way. Here's why this is important. A lot of times, from the outside, people think of Christianity as a list of rules. Anyone, anyone experience that? List of rules, list of do's and don'ts, right? Do these things, don't do, th- don't do these things. And a lot of people from the outside think, be a good person, be a good enough person, and then when you die, you'll go to heaven, right? And that's part of the Christian message from the outside is this, code of behavior, and it depends on your performance. And then from the inside, a lot of times, Christians look at what, how, God is calling us to, how God is calling us to live, and a lot of times, we struggle to obey the commands of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We know what God asks of us, and we struggle to obey what God asks of us, even though we love God, Right? Because there's things that God calls us to do that are, that are totally different than the world. The way God calls us to handle our lives, to act when it comes to our money, when it comes to our bodies and, and sex, when it comes to power and the rights that we have, the things that when it comes to forgiving people who have hurt us, forgive your enemies, love your enemies, pray for your enemies, What? Um, Rich Mullins, the uh, uh, famous singer, used to have a quip. You know, people tell me I can't go to I can't go to church. It's church is full of hypocrites. I can't be a Christian. And he would say, "That's not true. There's plenty of room for more." (laughs) 
That's, that's the thing I think people from the outside don't know. We know we fall short. We know we fall short. And it's only by God's grace and the work of His Spirit in our lives that we even want to try. We... <laughs> but here's the thing this passage reminds us of. God's commands are not just a list of do's and don'ts. It's not just... Do this and don't do that, and then you'll get the thumbs up. God's commands are rooted in identity. They're rooted in redemption. They're rooted in his story. They're rooted in who he is and what he's done for us. If you don't believe me, it's all throughout Deuteronomy. You can read that whole book, or you can read the part in chapter 5 where the Ten Commandments are. And you might notice this, that the Ten Commandments don't start with the commandments. The, the Ten Commandments, fifth, chapter, fifth, uh, chapter 5, verse 6, says this. It's starting the Ten Commandments. It says this. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall. Then the commandments start. Don't kill. Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't steal. <laughs> What's it all rooted in? That was weird. That was weird. <laughs> What's it all rooted in? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Here's how you respond. I've done the work. I've loved you. I've put in the power to save you. Here's how you respond. Here's what freedom looks like in your life. Here's what freedom looks like on the Sabbath. Remember in Egypt where they never let you take a day off? I'm commanding you to take a day off, to remember that you're not under that bondage anymore. Remember in Egypt, and and maybe here, remember in sin, remember before you met God, remember what life was like, I'm calling you to a new life. What he says in Deuteronomy when it comes to justice and and treating those who are oppressed and are suffering from injustices, remember what your life was like in Egypt. I'm calling you to something better based on who I am and how I've brought you out. And for Christians, it affects us in all these areas. Whatever the command is, whatever, whether it has to do with the generosity in our hearts or whether it has to do with forgiving other people who, who have hurt us or who are our enemies or whether it has to do with honoring God with your body because he's the one who made you and knows you or whether it has to do with giving up your rights to serve other people. Who we are and how we act now is rooted in who God is and how he acted to redeem us. Jesus said, if anyone wants to follow him, he said, take up your cross and follow me. And then you know what he did? He took up his cross and he died for you and me. So when we take up our cross to follow him, it's rooted in what he already did for us. (laughs) Mm. I don't even know what that sound was. 
I had a, a coach in seventh grade basketball, and he had us run the worst drill that I've ever heard of. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know if they would run this drill today, but, um, and this is nowhere in my notes, so I'm way off. Um, but he, he would take, he would take, he said, here's what I'm going to do. We're standing on one end of the court, wood floor. I'm going to take the ball, and I'm going to throw it as fast as I can. You run down there as fast as you can, and you dive for the ball. You sacrifice for the ball. So you knew that you were going to, like, you know, like, on your knees were going to show it, your elbows, whatever else. But then I never forget what he said next. I'm never going to ask you to do something that I won't do. And he threw the ball, and he ran down, man in his 30s or something, and just dove for the ball and skidded it. (laughs) Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus bids us to come and die so that we would know true life. And then he didn't just say, hey, do that. He died for you to give you true life. And when we talk about sin and it being slavery in your life and the seriousness of it, it is because he died to set you free from it. And that sin that seems to have a grip on your heart, Jesus died to set you free from it. And he's powerful enough to work that in your life. And you need to let him. You need to give it up. You need to say, yes, God, I want to be free from this because you died for it. If it was worth you dying for me, it's worth me living in the way that pleases you. If you're going to live in the true freedom that God is calling you to live in, you've got to remember and make a practice of remembering what he brought you out of. God loves you. Hear me. God loves you too much to let you continue to hold on to what he died to set you free from. God loves you too much. And he's too powerful. (laughs) He's too powerful to not come through on his promises. And right now, what that looks like, I don't know what that looks like for you. Maybe it's taking a look at the sin in your life, honestly, and saying, what... Where have I been acting like my sin's not a big deal? Where have I been acting flippantly with the will of God and with the word of God? Or maybe that's, maybe, maybe that's where you're at today, or maybe it's at some point in this week sitting down and just thinking about the goodness of God and what he's brought you out of and thinking about the cross. Or maybe there's an area in your life where the Holy Spirit has highlighted and you know it's a step of obedience that you want to take and you wish you had the power to take and, and yet sometimes it feels like too much. And maybe the step for you is sitting down and, and thinking about that area that God is calling you to make a change and thinking about it in light of the cross. Thinking about it in light of what Jesus did to set you free And when you do, when you do, God's love is going to fill your heart. God's love is going to fill your heart. There's a humility that's going to wash over you that you're going to experience true freedom because instead of maybe you've been minimizing God's grace, and when you get a taste of God's grace, you can't look down at anyone else and judge them. 
Because, wow, look what God, look where I was when God found me, but look what he did. Look at his love. You need to know about his love. Here's what God will do for you. It brings a humility. It brings a faith. If you find yourself in the hills and valleys of life and you're in a valley, <laughs> you got to climb the hill and you're out of water <laughs> and you're dehydrated. When you remember what God's brought you from, it gives you a faith to take that next step. And here's the other thing it does. It's going to give you a freedom. You're going to experience and taste and see that the Lord is good. And that when I step out on faith and actually obey what I know he's called me to do, it's really freedom. It's true freedom. Um, God knew how much we need uh, rem reminding and to remember the ways that he has saved us and the, and the depth that he would go to to save us. And so one of the things that God did in the Old Testament was institute festivals and uh, feasts and fasts and festivals when people would remember, when the Israelites would remember how God saved them. And one of the key ones of the Old Testament is the Passover. You guys know this? And the Passover has been observed every year for thousands of years now. And one of the key elements of the Passover is that when God brought the, Israel, the night that he brought them, uh, the Israelites, out of Egypt, he said, eat bread, but don't put yeast in it this time. You know, if you make bread, none of us, not many of us make bread. I don't make bread. But <laughs> I know that when you use, usually when you make bread, you put yeast in it, and then you wait for it to rise, right? And then you bake it, right? But God says, no, I'm delivering you tonight. You don't have time right? So make bread without yeast. You're not waiting on it to rise. Eat it and go. Get ready for the journey because I'm setting you free. And then he said, do this every year. Remember this every year. And just imagine with me the scenario a few generations later. Family sits down to dinner. It's Passover. Son or daughter says, hey, where's the rolls? Where, where's the bread? Oh, we're not having that tonight. We're not, we're not having that tonight. Hey, but that's my favorite part. That's why I show up. Like, where's the, where's the rolls? What's this, you know, flat bread, right? And that's when the parents, the mom and dad, get to say, here's the story. There's a time when we were slaves to Pharaoh in Egypt. And God came to deliver us, and it was so powerful and so swift that we couldn't even wait on the bread to rise. And so every year, we remember we remember how powerfully God set us free and his great love for us. We remember so that we can continue to live in the way that he's called us to and continue to experience the freedom that he's called us to. I want to leave you guys with the lyrics to an old song that has been on my heart for a few weeks. And uh, because I like to sing, maybe we'll just sing it. Is that all right? And you guys, please join in. Mm, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross. Where the dearest and best for a world of lost sin.
second verse. Oh, that old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God, left his glory above to bear it on dark Calvary. So I'll cherish. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I So I'll cherish. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross. And exchange it someday for a crown. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much. God, we thank you for your word that speaks to us in every season. We thank you for your word, that all of which points us to Jesus, points us to your goodness and your grace points us to your love for us on the cross and your forgiveness for us, Lord, but also to your power for us, the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in us who believe. God, we thank you for that. I pray that the next few moments would be marked with remembrance, God. I pray that we would take moments right now 
to remember your grace, Lord, to remember the seriousness of our own sin, every single one of us, but also your great love and power displayed for us, Lord. And God, that you call us to your mission, to explaining that to others, to to making sense of how you've called us to live in, in true freedom, Lord. And we thank you for that. Pray for every single person. I pray that as we take in communion today, Lord, that we would remember your body 